Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon, I'm Chua Tian Tian with your market view. Well, much of our discussion this week has been surrounding the health of the U.S. economy and the U.S. Federal Reserve's next policy move in September. We've been getting lots of mixed signals so far in terms of economic data. Earlier, the U.S. labour market added 528,000 jobs in July, more than double of a Dow Jones estimate. Now, contradicting other economic reports indicating that the U.S. economy is slowing and that interest rate hikes previously have worked. But just yesterday, we also saw July's Consumer Price Index coming in at 8.5%, better than the 8.7% expected last night. So what are reasons behind the discrepancies and what does this mean for the Fed and for markets in US and Asia? Well, for more, I'm joined by Aninda Mitra, Head of Asia Macro and Investment Strategy of BNY Mellon Investment Management. Hi, Aninda. Hi, Tintian. Thank you for having me on your show. Great to have you on our show as well. Aninda, first of all, the U.S. labor market turned out to be way hotter than expected. This, of course, contradicting other economic reports and the CPI data indicating that the U.S. economy have shown signs of slowing down. Why are the reports giving us very different signals about the state of the U.S. economy? Yeah, look, I, I think the labor market is quite perplexing. Uh, mm. There are some structural issues underway as well, with the labor force participation rate remaining uh, well below the rates that prevailed, the mid-60s rates which prevailed before the pandemic began. And even that is down in comparison to the labor force participation rate in the high 60s mm. as a percentage of the total labor force uh, or, or, or total employable people from back in from, from back around the time of before, just before the GFC. So the supply of labor is very constrained. Mm. And in that context, you know, as you pointed out, I mean, the unemployment rate is still very, very low at three and a half percent. The vacancy rate is at seven percent. So what that means is roughly there's uh, around two jobs for every person who's looking for one. <laughs> so mm. uh, it's, it's, a, it's a structural constraint, which I think keeps tightness in the labor market you know, enduring uh, and will keep it enduring for a while. So, Aninda, help us understand, uh, how should we be reading all the economic data coming up from the U.S. thus far? Is it a case whereby prices are coming down generally, economic activity remains robust, people are earning higher wages, basically the best case scenario here? Or is it a case whereby the U.S. economy is slowing down, but wages and prices remain sticky, prompting for more aggressive rate hikes to a point whereby... No, people just cannot afford to pay for the expensive goods and we'll just slip into a recession just like that. How should we be reading into all of the, that data coming out? Yeah, look, I, I think the economy is slowing down, uh, but it's not hurtling downwards like as it would be from a cliff. We, that's not the mm. situation by any stretch. I think the tailwinds from the stimulus from 2021 are still with us. Mm. Job markets are still very tight. So those provide some shock absorbers to the ongoing tightening from the Fed, as well as the steep price increases we've seen from the supply side shocks, given the conflict in Ukraine and the food price increases and energy price increases and so on. But there is no doubt the economy is slowing. Mm. uh, And that's what is beginning to finally show up in the Mm. core price numbers as well. And, you know, you had the GDP prints from the first two quarters of this year, both of which showed some aspects of a technical recession being at work. Mm. So we, we're still looking at uh, a slowdown, but it's not obvious that there will be a massive slump in the economy in the U.S. Mm. Uh, in that context, the Fed 
turning to Fed policy for a bit, Tiantian, I, mm. I think the Fed will still be quite conservative. The, a, a, an outright recession is not obvious yet, even though there is a slowdown underway. So we, we're looking at you know, conditions slowing overall, but not necessarily hurtling downwards. Mm. And on your topic about a recession, I do want to deep dive into that because we saw the U.S. economy posting two consecutive quarters of negative growth. But officials are saying that uh, the U.S. is not in a recession yet. Why is this so and what are your thoughts? So if you strip out inventories and, and you know, discrepancies and so on, mm. uh, the overall picture is one of continuing growth, albeit softer than uh, what it has been say, two quarters or, or two quarters before or in the periods earlier than that. Uh, what that is telling you is that demand is softening because your consumption mm-hmm. demand is softening because you know, higher inflation is actually eating into, into wages and real wage growth is negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is beginning to you know, cause people to put off expensive consumption, dining out at restaurants and so on and so forth. I mean, those are, those are all beginning to to slow the pace of household spending. Uh, you know, if you look at household mortgage applications and so on, that's also beginning to slow quite sharply given that mortgage rates have, uh, 30-year mortgage rates have risen by more than 200 basis points. Uh, but it's, again, at the same time, it's not a picture of a massive uh, slowdown on unemployment. One of the things that the National Bureau of Economic Research looks at when it characterizes whether or not uh, an economy is in a recession or not, mm. is not just a quarterly slowdown in the growth rate, but also employment conditions and whether the slowdown is very broad-based and not just sector-specific. So I don't think we're seeing those, those uh, conditions being fulfilled at the moment. So even though at a technical level, the U.S. economy has indeed encountered two consecutive quarters of, of negative growth, Mm. On a year-on-year basis, there is still positive growth, which is why it's, it's hard to characterize this economy as, as being in a recession. Mm, if you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Aninda Mitra, head of Asia Macro and Investment Strategy of BNY Mellon Investment Management. Now, Aninda, uh, markets have been betting for the Fed to hike interest rates by 75 basis points in September. Do you think that has changed with the release of July's CPI data? Look, we, you know, we have uh, always been and still are in the mm. 50 basis point camp. <laughs> we saw the, you know, the Fed's moves in the past few meetings to mm. get to an area of neutral rates as quickly as possible. And I think that's more or less been accomplished with the last two 75 basis points of rate hikes. Now, the job sprint, as you correctly pointed out, you know, does provide some pause for thought. Mm. So far as you see that as potentially causing, you know, sticky inflation to stay high uh, mm. because of the labor market tightness. Mm. But at the same time, uh, the inflation is beginning to finally roll over. And they are fairly close to what Fed Chairman Powell has characterized as being in neutral territory, which is, uh, you know, three to three and a half percent. We're getting there. So I think if you go with 50 basis point hikes from here on, I think you you still deliver the kind of uh, restrictiveness in monetary conditions without overdoing it. So which is why, you know, we we think a 50 basis point rate hike pace at the next two meetings would seem more appropriate to us. And going by that 50 basis point hike and by what you have mentioned earlier about how the U.S. economy is not in a massive slowdown right now, is a soft landing achievable and within the Fed's reach? This is where things get a bit more trickier. We, mm. we think it's achievable, but it's not obvious. 
and the mm. market has expected a recession and, and called and priced in Fed rate cuts from the second quarter of next year onward, mm. which is where if you look at the Fed pricing of, uh, excuse me, the market pricing mm. of Fed policy versus the Fed's own dot plots, the FOMC has, uh, the Fed, uh, the Open Market Committee has uh, uh, these dot plots, which come out on a quarterly basis. Mm. So they both move up very sharply to about three and a half percent or so by the end of this year. And then they start to diverge from the second quarter of uh, uh, 2023. And that is because the market expects a recession, which I think is a bit overdone. And even if we get a slowdown, a continuing slowdown in the U.S. economy, the Fed has been burnt once before. You know, they thought things would, were, were transitory and inflation would quickly come down, and they have been wrong about that. Mm-hmm. So having been bitten once, they'll be twice shy, and they'll probably refrain from cutting rates immediately until and unless you start to see more decisive, more, more durable signs, if you will, of uh, core inflation coming down uh, towards uh, its target rate of 2%. And also, I would mention, you know, another thing that people sometimes lose focus, uh, don't pay much attention to, mm. is how broad-based inflation has become. So by, by broad-based, I mean, if you consider where median inflation is in the U.S. or where headline, excuse me, where the trimmed mean inflation is in the mm. U.S., you have a technical concept, but it tells you the average levels of inflation across all the different components of CPI. And those are still running north of 5%. Mm. So I think those things need to normalize a bit more before you can really expect the Fed to begin signaling and easing of its stance rather than what the market has been pricing in right now, which is an immediate cut starting second quarter of 2023, which I think is a bit misplaced. Mm. If I understand you correctly, because there are a lot of things going on right here, is that one, the Fed is not increasing rates as aggressively as we thought it's going to go, like 75 basis points in September, for instance, it might not go that far. But rates are likely to be elevated even up to perhaps the second half of next year, and that prices might not be coming down. Is, Is that what you are saying? That is exactly correct. So that would mean that there might be some discrepancies between market expectations of where the U.S. economy is going versus how it will really fare as to whether we will see a recession next year. Is that right to understand it that way? That is correct. So you're exactly right in pointing out the discrepancy, if you will, between mm. what the FOMC is saying, uh, that is, i.e., 3.5% you know, Fed funds rate through most of next year versus the market which expects uh, two to three rate cuts, 25 basis points each, from the second quarter of next year, which is something, that's the discrepancy in the market pricing. Mm. So would it also be right to understand that at this point, it's still very hard to tell whether we'll achieve that soft lending towards the start of next year? Yeah, so I think the erosion of real purchasing power is still underway. It depends, mm. a lot of things depends on how quickly headline inflation comes off. And I think we're starting to see some signs of supply-side conditions normalizing, lower gasoline prices, lower automobile prices, helping out the most recent inflation print, Mm. Uh, but the degree to which those continue and begin pulling down inflation, you know, on a sustained basis will be quite critical in determining whether real purchasing power continues to be eroded Mm. in the months ahead or not. And that, I think, is a a pretty important driver, is going to be a pretty important driver of consumption uh, sentiment, of consumer sentiment going forward. Mm. Aninda, very quickly, as we are sort of running out of time, overall, where do you see U.S. markets moving at least till the end of this year? So uh, it's mostly sideways. 
so we are still defensively positioned. We still think that the bond markets have priced in easing too much too fast, as you were pointing out yourself. Mm. So if there's some drift higher in, in yields uh, to, to a flattish yield curve, uh, mm. as opposed to a 30 basis point inversion right now between the twos and tens, that would still hurt growth stock, which have made a comeback since the end of June. So which is why we are more defensively positioned. Mm. We prefer consumer staples. We prefer utilities. Even healthcare stocks might be a good item to own in your portfolios. So we're not in the in the risk in, the, in a sustained risk on camp just yet. Mm. Thank you very much, Aninda. That was Aninda Mitra, head of Asia Macro and Investment Strategy at BNY Mellon Investment Management. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.